we're gonna, I'm going to work this from up front here today, which is also different for us. We're doing all kinds of different things today. Have you noticed that? Oh, come on, come on. Did we make it? Did it go? Oh, come on. We're having technical problems this morning, aren't we? It's my fault. Oh! We made it. Okay. It's a miracle. Where did I do? What did I do with my Bible? Did you see? I've lost my mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. For those of you who have never been here before, there's two things you need to know. Generally, I'm a little bit like this. That's just the way it works. But generally, not this bad. Um, so, it's a lot of stuff. We are in the second week of our series called The Scandalous Mercy of God. It is a study of Jonah. And, and you might ask, why do we call it scandalous? Well, it's scandalous because, in a lot of ways, the mercy of God can offend our sensibilities. The notion that God would provide mercy for people that we don't think deserve mercy can get you a little fired up sometimes. It really can. The notion that God's divine justice and, and divine mercy all work together in ways that we do not understand can bother people. The, the, the truth is that the presence of Jesus that we just celebrated Stacy embracing and taking on, just the, the presence and the reality of Jesus offended a whole lot of people. And the truth is, still offends people. It still feels to many scandalous and difficult and nonsensical. Paul even said in Corinthians that it is it's foolishness to Greeks and to Gentiles, but to us who are being saved, it is the very wisdom of God. And that's the crux. The mercy of God is sometimes, seems like foolishness to those who do not know him and even to us who are trying to learn more about him. And yet we serve both the most just and the most, most merciful being to ever exist. Amen? Amen. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about, last week we talked about his, uh, what kind of mercy did we talk about last week? Do you remember? Sudden mercy. You're supposed to know these things. Check your notes. Do you, any, does anybody download the app yet? If you download the app, there are sermon notes in there. It will help you remember those answers to those questions and you can act like you know what you're talking about, Right? So, we talked about his sudden mercy. This week, we're going to talk about his severe mercy. And you say, how can mercy be severe? And I hope, I hope that by the end of today, you'll have some idea. So, I'm going to start off by reading the scripture we're going to cover today. It is Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 4 and go through verse, verse 2.1, okay? So, let's go. It says, but the Lord threw a great wind in onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel, and it stretched out and fallen in a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call on your God. Maybe this God will consider us, and we won't perish. 
Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's, let's cast lots. Then we'll know for certain, we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we are in. And so they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. And then they said to him, tell us, who is to blame for this trouble we're in? What is your business? And where are you from? And what is your country? And what are your, what, where, what are your people from? What people are you from? And he answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men who were seized by a great fear, and they said to him, what is this you have done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. And so they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And he answered them. He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. And so they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood for you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. And then they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. Now, some of your translations may say whale, fish. It's actually Leviathan, which I think is a super cool word. But we don't know if it was a whale or we know it was a fish. What we know is um, I would not want to be Jonah. Right? I mean... Would you not want to be Jonah? I, if, you, if you have a desire to be swallowed by a big fish, I'm a little concerned for you. So why severe mercy? You know, Ryan and Ethan are going to do a, a skit here in a minute um, to kind of describe what Jonah might have been experiencing. But why severe mercy? Well, Dr. Kevin Youngblood says that Yahweh, the Lord, appeared to place Jonah in inhospitable environments in order to externalize his faith condition and confront Jonah with the truth of his spirit and condition. The notion that God might allow us to be in a difficult situation, or in some cases even put us in a difficult situation, in order to help us consider who we really are is not something that I look forward to the notion of. Have you ever emerged from a difficult situation and then realized God put you there for a reason? Maybe you learned something about yourself. Maybe you learned something about somebody else. And hopefully you learned something about God, about his mercy, about his strength, about the capacity of his love. Hopefully you learned something all the way. But, you know, in the middle of it, certainly doesn't feel like it. It certainly doesn't feel like it. In this story that we just read, as this continued throughout this book, Jonah is the follower of God, Yes? It's the prophet of God, the person who knows God. But who figures out what God is up to first, Jonah or the sailors? The sailors. That is mind-boggling to me that we as the people of God would not figure out that God is working or how God is working, and someone from the outside might see it better. Isn't that crazy? Why do you think that is? 
Any guesses? That's not rhetorical. Why do you think that is? You don't want to see it. Yes. Good job, Barb Culp. Way to go. You don't, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. We want to believe that if bad things are happening, that God would never allow that, that that is Satan that would do that. But as you look through the scriptures, there are times when God allows things to happen. He allowed Job to be tested over and over and over again. He allowed Jesus to die on a cross. One of the most tragic things we could ever possibly come up with, but did that not bring him glory when it was all said and done? Did not did that act alone not offer an opportunity of salvation for the entire world? Yes. And it came from something God needed to allow to happen to reconcile divine justice and divine mercy. And that is really hard for us to wrap our brains around. Because I don't know about you, but I got a tiny little brain. And it struggles with God sometimes because he is bigger than me. So, as we read this story, we read about Joah's, Noah's, or Jonah's journey. Oh, man. All week this week, I was doing that. I was going, Noah, Jonah, they're like, really? Which one are you talking about, Rob? I'm going, I don't know. All right, Jonah's story. And so Ryan and Ethan are going to do maybe an idea of what Jonah would have been going through this week. Where are you guys? Come on. Now, I asked them to sit near the front, boys. You ready? Me? being so difficult this morning. <clears throat> Do I need to push a button? Oh. I'm annoyed. Okay. We're moving up in the world. That's yeah, well, one forward. That's why we should let me talk and let other people deal with the technology. So, man, you smell like a nasty dead fish. You have no idea what I've been through this past week. Ah, oh, come on, it can't be that bad. Well, let me show you. I was sitting at home, you know, being a prophet and such, and all of a sudden, God tells me to go to Nineveh and talk to these random people. I had to follow a camel for three days. It reeked, and I'm pretty sure it had rabies. Oh, you're just complaining. It's not that bad. Well, while following this camel, we were going through these dusty, boring mountains. You know how much sand was in my pants? Oh my gosh, that would be terrible. Oh, it gets worse. After those mountains, we got, this, we got to this loud, disgusting city with crazy people trying to sell me things every five seconds. Hey, honestly, that city looks pretty cool. Probably met some new people, and there's a lot of cool stuff. Not really. Once I got through the crowd of hoodlums, I got on a ship to Tarshish, trying to get away from God once and for all. When I fell asleep, the sea was beautiful and calm. Oh, but when I woke up, the whole crew was screaming at me, blaming, blaming me for the storm that just popped up. 
These guys got so mad they threw me overboard, see? Okay, hold on. How did you get that picture from your phone? <laughs> A drone. <laughs> okay, whatever. Now this is the inside of a whale. I thought the camel smelled bad, but the whale is a whole different story. Oh, come on, you're so alive. I mean, not many people can say that they've slid down the middle of a whale and lived to tell the tale. Well, I forgot to say, this man was yelling at me the whole time, telling me to get out of his house. <laughs> Have you ever been yelled at for three straight days? Uh, yeah, but it's better than being dead for three days. Looks like God showed you some mercy anyway. Well, now I'm here, my phone is almost dead, and I have no idea where I am. Now tell me this isn't so bad. I don't know, man. It could be worse. Honestly, it sounds like God's trying to tell you something. You've disobeyed him, and all he's done is shown you mercy. Maybe you should listen to what he's trying to say. Why does God have to be like that sometimes? Because sometimes we just don't listen, and we just need to be stuck in a whale for three days for God to get his point across. You might be right. It could be worse. I guess I could be stuck in a whale my whole life like my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> good job, guys. I'm pretty proud of us for making up that script. They wrote that skit. They wrote that skit themselves. So I thought they did a fabulous job of putting that together. So... Jonah clearly was Ethan in this project, and, 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 you know, yeah, if you're swimming in a whale for three days, you're probably not thinking life is so good. Does it really help when somebody says to you, it could be worse? <laughs> not really. That doesn't help. As they were writing this skit yesterday, they all go, so, Orion goes, so, why do I keep, just keep saying it can't get any worse? I feel like a broken record, right? Is that not true? When somebody says in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your challenges, it can't get any worse, or, or it could be worse, or it could be God was really nice to you in the midst of it. Really? But that does, does, that, does the way I feel equate with what the truth is? Not always. Sometimes you feel frustrated. You feel like it's as bad as it could possibly be. And somebody telling you it's going to get better or, or that it could be worse doesn't feel like it's going to help. But a lot of times that is true. Really the purpose, the reason God subjects us to these severe troubles sometimes is really to, re to require us and cause us to reflect, to reflect on the status of our spiritual lives, the status of where we are and, and, and the, the impact that we can make, and to see ourselves clearly, because the truth is we do not always see ourselves clearly, okay? I have a friend who calls it spiritual sobriety. He says, sometimes our eyes are a little fuzzy in the way we see ourselves, we're a little intoxicated with our own self, and we're not stopping long enough to consider where we are and who we really are and how our faith is really 
functioning. That is really Jonah's story. As, as Ethan said at the beginning as he's playing Jonah, he says, I'm just sitting around being a prophet, right? Just sitting around being a prophet and God calls me to do something outside of what I've been doing for him. And Jonah's immediate response is no, right? His immediate response is I'm running the other way. I'm going somewhere else. I'm not involved. I don't want to have anything to do with this. This doesn't feel right to me. And God says, well, Jonah, I've got a, yes, I want you to save the people of Nineveh, but deep down inside, I really think God also wants to save Jonah. I think God wants Jonah to pause, to reflect on who he is, where he's at, and whether or not his connection to the Lord is what Jonah thinks it is, or if it is clear if it is true, if it is accurate. Because the problem is that the reason we need to reflect is that reflection leads to realization. We don't often pause to reflect. I don't know about you, but I don't like to stop and consider my failings. Do you like to stop and make a list? When was the last time you stopped and made a list of all your, all your failings? Huh? Only when you want to feel sorry for yourself, right? (laughs) Nobody wants to do that. And I'm not saying you should. This is not a recommendation that you should leave church today, get a piece of paper, and start writing down all the things that are wrong with you. Because (laughs) I just don't see that ending well, okay? But I do believe that it is wise to sit at the feet of the Lord and ask ourselves, God, what can you show me about how I might grow? About how I might see clearly even the things that I've done to get myself into my mess in life. Some things just happen, yes. Some things defy explanation. And whoever said that God will never give you more than you can handle lied, God will never give you more than he can handle. And as we said before, his shoulders are way bigger than mine or yours, right? So, but it is important to sit at his feet and ask him, what can you show me about how I might grow, how I might be strengthened? Where am I really versus where I want to think I am? And have I done things to get myself into a mess? As parents, we often try to take responsibility for the messes, especially the messes that our adult children make. We feel bad when they do things they don't need to be doing or, or we see so much potential in them and they're not living out this potential and it's, and it's painful to watch As a parent, if one of your children is not following the Lord the way you had hoped, can I just tell you, at some point they grow up. And yes, the book of Proverbs says, instill the word of the Lord in a child and he he will grow up to know and follow him. But do you know that the inference there in the Hebrew doesn't say he will, it says he might. Did you know that? He might. She might. 
What it means is instilling the word of God in them is critical to give them an opportunity to come to know God, but it is not a guarantee they're going to know God. Just like you needed to reflect on your status and you needed to move forward to realize where you were and to get to know God on your own, guess what your kids have to do too? They have to establish their relationship with God as well. And if they choose not to, it's not because you did something wrong. I want to relieve parents of that right now. It is not because you did something wrong. Did you probably do something wrong raising your kids? More than likely. (laughs) Because last time I checked, we all follow Jesus. None of us are Jesus, right? So you probably said something wrong, did something wrong, made a decision that if you could look back and do it again, you would change it. But the reality is you can't. And the reality is also as your child grows up, it is your child's job to build a relationship with God. It is your child who will make those decisions. It is your child who needs to reflect, your child who needs to realize where they stand. That's a sidebar. It's got nothing to do with Jonah, but I very much see so many parents who feel like they own every decision their child is ever going to make. You don't. Did you do your best in the moment? If you did your best in the moment then you've done what God has asked you to do. And it's between the Lord and your child to figure out the rest. Okay? Okay, so reflection leads to realization, right? The sailors realize it in verse 14. They say, so they realize they're in trouble. They call out to the Lord and say, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this this man's life. And don't, don't charge us with innocent blood. They've realized that God is all in all, that God is the final authority, that God is the one who's going to make the decisions here. There was a story in the news this week that I put on our Facebook page. Did you see it about the the teenagers that were adrift at sea? There were two teenagers that got lost at sea. They were adrift, and, and, and they were out there and didn't know what was going on. They thought for sure they were going to die. And it said the, the boy's name is Tyler. Tyler grabbed Heather's hand as they were on a, on a raft, sinking, <laughs> and said, we need to pray, and we need to pray right now, and we need to call out to the Lord. And so they did. They prayed, and they called out to the Lord, and they were screaming to the Lord, please, please, Lord, please save us. And off in the distance, somebody on a tiny little boat heard it. And he came over, and he saved them. This is the best part. Do you know what the name of the boat was? The Amen. Come on! Tell me that's not epic. That is totally God showing up. But you know what? I really believe it took those two kids realizing that they had no other option. The sailors figure this out way before Jonah does. The sailors figure out that the final authority, the final power, the person that's going to either put them in the mess or deliver them from the mess or has reasons behind what he's doing is God. Jonah is still under the delusion that he can run. He's still under the delusion that he can run from God, that he can avoid what God is calling him to do. He has not figured out or accepted that God is in charge, that God is the authority, that God is the strength, that God is the source of all life. 
The sailors figure it out before him. Sometimes I'm afraid I don't figure it out fast enough either. That I don't realize that he really does control everything. He really does know what's going on in every aspect of my life, whether my life is good or bad, whether the world is falling apart or coming together. And so I try to control it myself. Do you ever try to control it yourself? All the time for me. If you don't, praise God. But I sure try to control it myself. We were... uh, the Hickeys uh, invited a whole bunch of us to go to a concert last night, right? And that was awesome to watch Josh Wilson sing. And one of his songs was called Borrow, right? It was Don't Borrow Trouble from Tomorrow, right? Don't Borrow Trouble from Tomorrow. It will only bring you sorrow. We try to, we worry because we do not trust that God will have tomorrow turn out the way he wants it to. We struggle because we're going to lose control of it. The sailors realize God is in control and there is nothing they can do and he is the only person they can turn to when it's all said and done. Jonah still hasn't figured it out. I pray that we not be Jonah. I pray that we not, even though we claim to know God, as Jonah claims to know God, be arrogant enough to think that we still control all of our outcomes. I don't control all my outcomes. I sat in an ordination meeting this weekend, this week, with the brethren, and, and by the way, I've been approved. <laughs> so, you know what that means? No more classes and no more tests. I'm kidding. All right, so... So they asked me a lot of questions about where God took us on our journey. How did we end up in these places? How did we end up in Arkansas and Minnesota and Indiana and Gretna? How did we end up here? And the answer is God was in charge. God decided, and they asked me, does God have you leaving soon? And I said, I sure hope not because I love it here. We'll see what God does, right? I don't get to make that call. I used to try to think I made that call. I spent two years while I was in Arkansas insisting I'm never moving to Minnesota. Why in the name of God would I ever move to the Arctic? Why would I do that? Guess where we lived for five years? Minnesota! We love to think that we get to decide where and how God's going to work in our lives and where, God, where and how God is going to use us. Guess what? You don't. God decides how, how he wants to use you. And here's the upside. He will infinitely use you better than you could ever dream of yourself. If you allow him to and do not run from him and what he's called you to do. So this time of severity, this severe mercy, is it's trouble triggers reflection, reflection triggers realization. 
And realization triggers repentance, and repentance allows for redemption. When I realize where I am, when I realize that it is God who is in charge, when I realize that I am not, probably not always who I think I am, and I need God to show me who I am so I can become who He wishes me to be, that opens up so many doors. It opens up the capacity to set aside all those those things that are holding you back. If you have a drug problem, owning the notion that you have it, right? Admission is the first step, right? Owning the problem. Admission that you have the problem opens the door to allow God to fix the problem. If you have an anger issue and your anger gets you in trouble, God is allowing the storm to happen that you have walked yourself into so that you will maybe reflect on the notion that you're doing something wrong and maybe reflect and realize you are not who you think you are and it will allow an opportunity for who to show up and help fix it. God, tell me that's not merciful. Because he could just leave you hanging. He could just leave you in your own pit and never give you a way out. Guess what? God offers you a way out all the time. And somebody found it yesterday, and his name is Jesus Christ. He offers you an opportunity to be redeemed in Him. He offers you an opportunity to see who you are and not be scared of it, but know that God loves you for who you are, and, but loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants you to reflect Him. And He may let you dig your own ditch, run into your own chaos, or even allow things to happen to you sometimes in order for you to stop, reflect, realize where you're at, and ultimately find redemption. To find renewal. And, and what Jonah had to figure out, and honestly was still bitter about all the way to the end, was that he was wrong. He did not own the notion that he was creating the, his own chaos in life. Let's say a what if. What if Jonah had just gone to Nineveh? What if he had not had to follow a camel's behind for three days across the desert? What if he had not had to live in a whale? What if he had just said, okay, God, I will go do it? How different is his story? And if I say, okay, God, I'll just go do it, how different is mine? How different is yours? God desires for each and every one of us to come to know him. God desires for each and every one of us to be redeemed in him. but we have to be willing to do what He's asked us to do. Otherwise, we're just too busy making our own messes, 
And the worst part is we live through the severe situation and we don't get anything out of it at the end. <laughs> we start to feel sorry for ourselves. We start to go, why are we here? And this is horrible and my life is the worst thing ever. Why, 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 why? Because we haven't paid attention to the signs. <laughs> we haven't said to the Lord, okay, I will go do what you wish me to do and there I will find your glory. There I will find your love, your justice, your mercy, and most importantly, your eternal salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. That is why God's mercy sometimes needs to be severe. We don't listen to the subtleness. And so he says, I need you to get there. And I love you so much, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do just that. Y'all are quiet. Wow, I put you to sleep. Okay. Any questions, comments, concerns? Okay, what'd you say? What'd you say? Causing trouble. I asked him to sit in front. I'm regretting that. So, I'm kidding. So, we close our service each and every week with something we call prayer time. During this time, uh, we believe that it is one of our, our greatest honors and responsibilities to Pray for one another as the body of Christ. We believe that, that he has put each and every one of us in each other's lives in order to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to intercede for one another, which means to step in between us and God and say, God, please, on behalf of this person, I pray. We believe that prayer matters. We believe that it is a powerful thing. And we believe that we should take the time to pray for one another each and every week. It takes many, many forms over the years. We've passed around a microphone, right? If you've been here a while, you know that. We have a, a prayer wall that we've started to put together that we hope people will start to use because it's a way to keep in touch with people's prayers throughout the week. We take prayers at the beginning of church. We allow you opportunity to speak of it now. So why am I telling you all this? Because we have a lot of new faces in here today, and I don't want you to go... What in the world is going on here and should I pray? The answer is if you need prayer, you what should pray? You should ask for prayer, right? Say amen. amen. All right, thank you. All right, so I guess everybody needs to stand because it's way less awkward to ask for prayer if you're not the only hand in the air or the only person that comes out. I would say that if you desire personal prayer, you should come to the front and somebody will absolutely pray with you today about the challenges you need. If you have something you want to announce to the congregation, the little guy in the middle with the microphone will be more than happy to take your prayer. Yes, Miss Holly, what would you like? You are going on a cruise. We will pray that you do not fall in the ocean. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and we will pray for the troops as well, right? Every week we need them home. Okay. What else? Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Ooh, praise God. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. I bet you're happy with that too, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. Miss Colleen. Yes. Yes. Okay. She's healing. Oh, yeah. And she thanks everyone for their prayer. All right. Because she's, she's healing. She's on crutches and 
just trying to get through Uganda yeah. and crutches. And get through Uganda and crutches. That sounds <laughs> like a project all by itself. Right. Okay. Yeah. In case you don't know, Hillary is doing mission work in Uganda right now. She's teaching children, working at a children's home, and this church supports her doing that. And uh, she's just had surgery. She's healing. And we need to continue to pray for that because I can't imagine working through Uganda on crutches. Yes. Oh. They're going to put a needle in his butt. Yes. I think, see, that's God's divine justice. Okay. Okay, let's pray for that. Absolutely. Pray for the healing. I'm glad they've identified an issue. We all knew it wasn't Bonnie, right? Right, right. We all knew that. Anything else? Yes, Gregory. Pray for me. I'm uh, currently trying to just get back in touch with God. I'm, I'm, I'm growing so much more. I'm learning so much more about His will for my life. I'm excited, but I want more. I want to be able to get closer and closer every day, so pray for me that I do that. Yeah. And pray for my sister as well as she's going through the uh, financial piece with these uh, fine young people, me included. She needs all the help she can be. <laughs> oh my goodness. Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Amen, says Jessica. Anything else? Anybody else? Okay, well, let's close in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful for you and for your son. We are thankful for the opportunity we have to come to know you, as many have prayed for here today. We are thankful for medical advancements. We are thankful that Tony's back is healing. We are thankful that Hillary is is regaining her ability to function in the world. And hopefully we pray that she'll continue to heal and get off of crutches. We are thankful that they have identified Jim's challenges, Jim Stanley's challenges, and that, that um, they will a- be able to resolve that, to repair that. Father God, we pray for continued healing, continued strength. We pray that you, we will have our eyes opened to the opportunities you provide for us to serve you, to recognize that sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes when things come down the pipe that aren't good and it feels like a smack in the head, it's because we need it. That your, your goal is for us to be redeemed in you. That your goal is for us to come to know you, to live in you, to experience your joy, your strength, your love, your peace, your patience, your kindness, and your salvation. God, we are thankful for you for your son, and for the gift of eternal life. And I am thankful today for our teenagers, for uh, their bravery, their courage in doing skits and leading music and welcoming people and, and just being the people you've asked them to be in the moment. They didn't ask questions about what I can do or can't do or should I or shouldn't I. They simply did. Let us all follow that example. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great week.